when no one's cheering for you, you have to be able to know how to cheer for yourself. What's going on, hurdlers? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 226 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. I am so, so amped that for episode 226, I am sitting down with Peloton instructor Rad Lopez. When I say that this was a long requested episode, <laughs> that would be an understatement. I heard your calls and I always hear your calls. So if there's anyone else you ever want to hear from on Hurdle, I am all ears. Feel free to shoot us a DM over at Hurdle Podcast or of course, shoot an email over to hello at hurdle.us. Rad and I sat down IRL in the Hurdle studio to chat all about it all, literally from how his upbringing has influenced him to work mega, mega hard to how he got this job at Peloton. We dial it back and talk about growing up in the Bronx sadly losing both his father and his stepfather, and ultimately what it was like for him to navigate an upbringing with a single mother working constantly to put food on the table. He also chats about how he found himself as essentially a janitor at a gym and how that job influenced him to get his personal training certification. He shares how he first came into one of his favorite activities boxing, what it was like to teach it to others in his first foray into group fitness, and ultimately the way that he found Peloton. Again, loved this combo. So appreciative that Hurdle brought Rad and I together IRL. We had a blast. Like I said, make sure you're following Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you're listening to this in real time and you're local to the New York area, I'd love to have you at a really special conversation I am hosting on November 2nd at MoMA PS1, 6.30 p.m. surrounding the topic of runner safety. Details about that are in the show notes. And if you can't make it to that event, no sweat. If you're local, I've also got a hurdler huddle happening on Saturday, November 5th. The Eventbrite slash registration is not live just yet, but stay tuned to my social. I will share it ASAP. Last little bit of housekeeping here. If you are not yet subscribed to The Weekly Hurdle, I would love to land in your inbox every Friday with so much of the same stuff you love from the show. Inspiration, motivation. I share some of my gear picks. Lots of goodies in there. So the link to subscribe to The Hurdle newsletter is in the show notes. All right, that's it for now. With that, let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling.
Today, I'm sitting down with Rad Lopez. He's a Peloton instructor. How are you doing today, Rad? I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm just just off of my first live Spanish strength class, which was really good. Um, just really excited to be here. How did that feel for you? It was new. It was definitely a new experience. Um, stepping into, you know, speaking Spanish in the fitness world. Um, it was definitely a new experience, but one that I'm super proud of. Yeah. What What makes you proud about that? Just, you know, being able to represent my heritage, being able to represent um, the Spanish speakers on the Peloton platform is uh, really important to me. Yeah. 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 And you, because you grew up in a Spanish-speaking household, right? I did. I did. Spanish was uh, my first language. Okay. Spanish was my first language. Um, now, I think, you know, unfortunately, Spanish has kind of taken a backseat just because, like, the people that I... Uh, normally interact with are all English speakers. Um, but I'm happy to be back in the Spanish speaking spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Spanish speaking spotlight. <laughs> Say that five times fast. I'll try, I'll try that later. <laughs> maybe, in, maybe in Spanish. Okay. So fresh off of your first strength class and honestly kind of fresh still on the yeah, Peloton scene. Yeah, very, very fresh still on the Peloton scene. But it's 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 been a ride. It's been a ride for sure. For sure. When you reflect on your time so far at Peloton, you think about maybe one of the biggest lessons that you've learned if we're going to jump right in here. What do you have to offer me? One of the biggest lessons? Love that question because, you know, it's that's one of the things that has been at the forefront of what I'm trying to accomplish right now. And I think that that's just giving myself some grace, giving myself space to not have done as well as I have wanted to do, you know, whether it's a class, whether it was um, a meeting or whatever it is, like giving myself space and the grace to, um, you know, have that room to improve. Because growing up, I was, I was always really, really hard on myself to do better and be better. And even when I did a good job, I would always dwell on the fact that I could have done better. And I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons now is just allowing myself to grow, yeah. you know, giving myself that grace. That's interesting that that's the first thing that you take away, like the biggest thing that you've mm -hmm. learned so far, because it would insinuate that you feel as though maybe there's been an extreme need for grace. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, definitely. Because like I'm, I'm, I'm always beating myself up. You know, always beating myself up because I do want to show up the best way that I know how to, you know, mm -hmm. um, so for sure. Yeah. What does showing up in the best way you know how to look like for you? Being able to deliver, deliver the best product that I possibly can, mm -hmm. whether it's a class, whether it's, you know, my performance, my form, my, you know, my, the energy level, whatever, whatever that, that is, you know? Yeah. I feel as though I can relate to what you're saying. Like I obviously want to show up the best that I can as well as often as I can, especially when I'm in front of people. Sometimes I interpret the best that I can to actually be in a way that looks effortless. Yeah. I, 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 I see that. I can see that. For you, even talking to camera, I'm sure that that took time to get used to, especially now. I mean, at least now you have people that are starting to be in the studio in your classes. But previously, when it was just you in a room and you had to make it look effortless and also seem natural, were there challenges that went with that? It, there were. There were. I think stepping in front of the Peloton 
camera was a lot easier just because the pandemic kind of prepared me for that right i think mm -hmm. we had to you know being in the fitness industry we had to there was such a pivot that we had to make not being in the studios not being in front of a live audience we had to pivot towards like you know streaming platforms whether it was zoom whether it was instagram live or whatever it is stepping into in, into that stage and into you know just being at home and setting the phone up to record us working out i think that really prepped me for what was to come in regards to being in front of the camera and you know not getting live feedback at the time so i want to go back to your upbringing you mentioned growing up spanish-speaking household growing up in the bronx so you've been in new york for a while mm -hmm. <laughs> talk to me about how being active played an integral role as well in your upbringing being i would say being active would be the best way to phrase it because fitness, you know, and what and what my perception of fitness is now in regards to the physical aspects of it, it was never really a thing, right? Growing up in the Bronx, fitness wasn't at the forefront of our culture. It was more like play sports, be the strongest, be the fastest. It was always more like a competition, you know, it was always always like the Hunger Games almost. Like I did my push-ups so that I could be like the strongest in my class or the strongest, you know, when I was on the baseball field or whatever. But fitness, you know, in, uh, when it comes to um, it being a form of well-being and it being just a form of taking care of your body, that, that wasn't the message. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, to me, it was more about being strong for the sports that I played. It was being about, it was more about being the fastest on the field or being the fastest on the basketball court. Yeah. yeah. When, you know, I, I did an interview a few years ago for Men's Health with a couple of guys that are based in the New York area and a couple of them grew up in Queens and it was like for them when they would go running and I'm talking like maybe like seven, eight years ago, like when they started running, it wasn't normal like in their yeah. neighborhood to see like some yeah. guy going running down the street yeah. and everyone would always be like, what are you running from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> so it's interesting I, to hear like your sentiments about that it. That couldn't resonate anymore because like, you know, I, I remember just when I started boxing, I would run maybe two, three miles every night around the Bronx Zoo and there was no one around. There was no one around running. There was no one around like, you know, just doing any of that stuff. Um, and I almost felt like the odd one out being somebody like, it, you know, within my community that felt like it was important to me. Um, so yeah, I, could, I, I can see where, the, you know, I can see that. Why was it important to you? Again, just re relating it back to sports. Um, I wanted to be able to perform as a boxer, to be able to perform on the baseball field, on the basketball court. Um, it was always around sports, less about less about my well-being and my body feeling good and my you know being mentally healthy. It was more around the sport than anything else. What got you into boxing? Love telling the story. Um, as a kid, me and my family would always gather around the TV. Uh, we'd have these big family gatherings around uh, big boxing matches. And, you know, the adults were, would always be mingling and doing their thing and having their drinks and listening to music. And then as, you know, as a child, I'd always be the only one in front of the TV watching every one of the matches. And what intrigued me about boxing was the beautiful just merging of the two fighters, the two boxers, just like dancing around the ring. But it was also a very dangerous sport. 
you know, and like the, the, the combination and the marriage between those two things really, really, you know, intrigued me into the sport. You know, it really drew me into the sport. And then when I was 16, I found a boxing gym. One of my best friends took me into a boxing gym and the rest was history. But also boxing just taught me so much about life. It taught me so much about myself beyond what boxing is, you know, at first glance, which is that, you know, folks think it's violent. Boxing teaches you so much about yourself. Like it taught me that I need to be a little more resilient when times got tough, right? It taught me how to win. It taught me how to lose. So yeah, boxing made me a, a lot more mentally stronger. A lot more yeah. mentally stronger. When you were getting into boxing, you mentioned around like 16 or so. What was going on in your home and your personal life? In my personal life, I think nothing was ever really going on in my home. You know, I think my mom did a really good job at kind of shielding us from the struggles that she would go through. But, you know, as a, you know, personally, I just wanted to be more. And when I was boxing, I think that's what I took into it because I always wanted to be more. I always wanted to get to know more about myself, kind of like learn myself a little more. Boxing is a lonely sport, you know, it's not like a team sport. Um, so I just wanted to discover who I was and kind of like just see what characteristics I possessed when I got uncomfortable. And that I think that was the, the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, what did you see yourself doing? Like, did you see yourself going to college? Did you see yourself working in a certain industry? Like, what were you thinking at first? Growing up in the Bronx, I just wanted to make it out. Yeah. You know, I, I'm grateful for having grown up in the Bronx because I had a very clear example. I didn't, you know, growing up, I didn't have a role model. I, I didn't have someone to look up to. But growing up, I did have a clear example of everything that I didn't want to be. Growing up in the Bronx, there was a lot of violence and like, you know, just criminal activity all over the place. There was a lot of drugs. Drugs was such a normal thing to witness and seeing people on drugs was so normal. It's like part of our daily lives. Walking to the fifth grade and see someone stumbling over, like bent over on the sidewalk or something because they were on some kind of substance or whatever. And um, that was such a normal part of my life, but I would see it and I would be like just repelled from it. That was not what I wanted to do. That was not what I wanted to be. Right. I didn't want to stay where I grew up because it was there was just nothing to come of it. You know, I go back now and I still see the same people, right, doing the same thing that they were doing 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there was something that taught me a lot. I, I knew that I wanted to be in a space where I inspired people, where I empowered people. I wanted to be on a stage I, at times. I wanted to be a rapper. Like <laughs> I wanted to be someone in sports. I wanted to be so many things, you know. Mm. I think that the 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 anchor there is knowing what I didn't want to be. I wanted to be everything but what I what was a normal part of my life, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now going back, and let me just preface by saying there are so many beautiful things in the Bronx. So many beautiful people in the Bronx. But there are a lot of things that I go back to now just to visit and I'm like, shit, like that, these are the things that I was numb to in the past, mm. you know? It's like, I remember being on the phone with one of my friends in Toronto a long time ago. I was, I was in my teenage years and they were like gunshots outside of my window. 
And they were like, what was that? I was like, oh, that's just gunshots outside of my window. And they were just like, what? You know? Yeah. And I was so numb to it, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that growing up, you didn't have a role model, especially because I've heard you already once in this conversation and from what I know of you outside of this conversation, speak pretty fondly of your mother. Can mm -hmm. you talk about the relationship between you and your mom? Yes. The relationship between me and my mom is, you know, and I, and I say I didn't have a role model because it was almost like my mom was very busy making a life for us, mm -hmm. right? My mom was super busy working 12 hours a day, you know, busting her ass so that we, we had everything we needed, you know? So a lot of my day was spent, you know, in school or in my head or, you know, so the relationship with my mom didn't really start to come into fruition um, until later in my teenage years, where I started realizing like, oh, all the things that she's done, all the efforts that she's put forth, like it, it's not, it's, it hasn't been easy, right. right? So, you know, growing up and developing an understanding for all the struggles that she's been through and all the things that she sacrificed to get us to where we are today. And I don't, not only that, she was a provider not just for us but for our family back in the Dominican Republic for her mm -hmm. parents for some of her brothers and sisters for everyone that needed it so it was only it was it was when I started to realize how much she's done and what she sacrificed and all the things that she must have been feeling that my relationship with my mom started to really get stronger yeah. Right. It, it was just seeing things from her point of view. Um, so, yeah. That's really special that you have had the opportunity to kind of turn that relationship around mm -hmm. a little bit and, mm -hmm. and get closer. Yeah. Do you still have family in DR? Oh, yeah. 90% of my family is back in the Dominican Republic. How are they doing now with everything that's going on down there? They're doing well. They're doing well. I'm super grateful that, you know, the the hurricane didn't really impact them much. Okay. Um, but they're doing well. Good. Luckily, yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. to hear that. Yeah, thank you. So you revisit and kind of re-examine the relationship you had with your mom. Now, you said us, other family members. Yeah, me and my sister. I grew okay. up with, you know, in a, with my mom and my sister, and I'm very grateful for it. You yeah. know, growing up with women has taught me, you know, in ways to be super empathetic. It's taught me to be soft in the areas of my life which I need to be softer and, you know, not, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of machismo which is something that I'm proud of mm -hmm. um, because I feel like it makes me a more well-rounded human being. What would you say the areas that you feel as though you need to be soft are? Good question. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just being, it, it's helped me so much within my community, within my community at Peloton, within my community in the past, it's helped me so much just because I'm very understanding of human emotion, I mm -hmm. feel. Um, I'm very understanding and accepting of people from all walks of life. I understand that not everyone comes, or it, not everyone comes from the same place. Not everyone is built the same. Not everyone can do the same things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a really strong part of it. I understand that everyone's 100% looks different. I understand that some people could be having bad days, and they're all not going to be sunny. You know, mm -hmm. 
in those senses, I think, you know, it's taught me to be really empathetic. When you talk about being empathetic and having compassion, who would you say in your life holds that same space for you? Good question. Why do you think you're struggling with the answer to that question? Because I'm so in my head, oftentimes about myself, about yeah. my performance and about my career and about um, the things that I'm doing. Like I said before, like I'm always so hard on myself yeah. that it's hard sometimes to step outside of that and kind of see who's hold, who's holding that space for me, you mm -hmm. understand, you know? I also feel like sometimes when you're so in it, like when you're, like you are, you have the great support of Peloton, but mm -hmm. you're also an entrepreneur a bit. So to be the person that is like carving your own way, you talked about like working so hard to get to where you are, and obviously we'll get into that as well, but when you're so in it, sometimes it's hard to step out and be like, who yeah, does correct. support me? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, support, compassion and support, for me, they're a little different, but I, I, I have a great support support system in my friends and, you know, my mother. My, I mean, I taught my first Spanish live class today and I called my mother this morning and I'm like, yo, ma, how do I say bicep curl? Or <laughs> how could I structure this thing that I'm trying to say in class? And uh, my friends are also very, very supportive. Um, I have three really good friends. They're almost like my brothers, mm -hmm. um, Sean Kiefer and Alfredo. Um, I've known them for 17 years and they do a really good job at supporting me. And, you know, I'm very grateful for everyone that plays that role in my life. Interesting. Yeah. Support and compassion being yeah. different. Define compassion for me then. Compassion to me, it's more of an understanding. It's more of a holding space for me to not be at my best. Mm. Um, support is more to me of someone who has always just been, I mean, I guess kind of they're the same, but someone who's always cheering for you. But, you know, I think compassion, there's a bit more emotion there. I think someone can support you without being compassionate. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Would you say as you got older, late teenage years, were you in more situations where you didn't really feel supported? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and this is not to discredit my mom's work, mm -hmm. but so much of my life I've spent just supporting myself, mm -hmm. just pushing myself to be better. Just, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like I felt like no one would understand Yeah, what it was, what it was that I was trying to accomplish, what it was that I was trying to do. I almost felt like no one would understand. And, you know, it's very interesting how I, you know, when I was in my room as a, as a teenager, I'm doing pushups and I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, you can do this, like do one more doing squats I would like same thing you know with whatever it was mm -hmm. with being in school it's always like you can do this you know I almost always had to like amp myself up to do things because and again not to discredit my mom but my mom was just so busy trying to put food on the table that it would it would, it would have been impossible for her to do all of the things mm -hmm. you know like kind of like understand where her children are going to and it also didn't help that I was I was a little closed off you know I was I was always very loving I would always be very supportive of my mom but when it came to some of the things that I were going that I was going through I wouldn't I would I didn't want to tack that on to everything that she was going through already you know do you think that was learned behavior from anything being closed off yeah where yeah. that come from? That might have came from just growing up with two women. Mm -hmm. I almost felt like I wouldn't be understood. You hmm. know, like I'm pretty sure that in some cases my sister wouldn't have understood. Like if if I was like 
upset about something or like if I was upset that I didn't hit a, an RBI double or whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. my, mo my mom or my sister wouldn't be able to like give me advice on how to swing the bat a little better, you know? Um, so that's why I was always to, very to myself. I showed up in the areas that I needed to show up, but it was always more like an outward way of me showing up. It was never me taking anything in, you know? Did you have any male role models? Yes. So... What got me into baseball was my stepfather, my sister's dad. Mm -hmm. um, he was uh, he was very into baseball. Uh, we would go to his games every so often, and just like watching him play, kind of inspired me. And I always wanted to make him proud. I always wanted to make my parents proud, um, and that was that was it for me. Just trying to make them proud kind of pushed me into, or not pushed me. It 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 it, it paved the way for me to get into some of these sports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you did that? I did. I yeah. did. In in more ways than one, you know, and in, in the human that I am today and the accomplishments that, you know, I've accomplished today. Um, I think I have. I think I have. Yeah. Talk to me about that relationship with your stepfather. Let's get into the fathers. Um, let's thing. get into the fathers. Let's get thing. into the fathers because I feel like that's something I don't usually talk about. Here we go. <laughs> so my father passed when I was three months of age and he passed of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really get to know him, but I know a lot of him. I know he was a very charismatic man. He provided for his family. Um, everyone always like looked up to him and looked forward to him being around. Um, and then, you know, when I was also young, my mom married my sister's dad mm -hmm. and they had my sister and he passed when I was eight. So my sister was three. Mm. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot from him. I learned, you know, to, and, and that's the thing too, like being, being, being part of an immigrant household, we could only learn so, it, so much. It was like, go to work, provide for your family, do the best you can. Mm -hmm try not to complain. And that was pretty much, you know, the gist of it. That was pretty much the gist of it. And so my, my you know, my relationship with, with my fathers were short lived. And to think about just like the, to think about what my mom had to go through, mm. not once, but twice, it's, it's like, it puts a lot of things into perspective to, you know, have lost my father quickly after me being born to have lost my stepfather quickly after my sister being born. Like, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine that kind of pain. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a vulnerable moment here is uh, I was recently in Cuba, recently in Cuba with two of my guy friends. Uh, we were out there for work. And um, we had been out one day and, you know, we got back to the house. And, you know, I love listening to the music that my mom listened to back in the day, like the, yeah. the music that she raised us on. She'd be cleaning and, you know, she'd have this music on. And at the time, I'm like, I'm like, Ma, like, what? Can you, can you put on some like hip hop or something? <laughs> and, you know, that wasn't going to happen. My mom's Dominican. She has no idea what hip hop, what hip hop is. Um, so she would listen to like her, her ballads and like her love songs and all that. And I was in Cuba and one of those songs randomly just came onto my shuffle. And, you know, we were all just chilling, just hanging out. And I was giving this more thought and I was listening to the words of these songs. Yeah. 
And it's like, to think of how she took those songs. Like, we think about love songs, and we're dedicating them. Or, like, we're, we're thinking about someone, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes. Or if you're not thinking about anyone, you're probably just being hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, to think about my mom singing these songs, and I'm like, who were you thinking of? Yeah. Whether it was my dad or my sister's dad, they're not here, right? Like, you went through loss. And getting back to this vulnerable moment, I went into the bathroom, and the the way that I held these tears in mm-hmm. to just think of the pain that she must have been going through was tough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's really special, and I hope that maybe you shared that with her. I, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I did. But my mom is so much like me, and or I'm so much my, so much like my mom, that she's like, what? She's like, don't think about that. <laughs> She's like, what are you? I'm like, mom, I'm having a moment. <laughs> I'm She's having like, a moment. She, and, and she's like, yo, I can't even believe that. I'll recount that to her and tell her that from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I am in disbelief that I actually went through that. Yeah. Like, she can't believe that she got through that. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, what are you? She's like, don't think about that. She's like, <laughs> she's like, we're moving forward. <laughs> eyes ahead. Eyes ahead. But she's better for going through it, right? And yeah. you're better now for getting to a place where you take the time to think about what she must have been feeling. Correct. And that, in turn, brings you two closer together and really makes for a really impactful and dynamic relationship. 1,000%. Like, I... I couldn't have, I, I think me and my mom are like best friends. And it's like, you know, sometimes, and like I understand everyone's situation is different, but it almost pains me a little when someone's like, I'm not close to, you know, my parents or whatever. But again, I understand everyone's, everyone's situation is a little different. But I think, you know, I'm really happy that me and my mother's relationship is where it's at now. It's evolved over time. Yeah, 1000%. And sometimes I try to explain that to my sister too, because we were, we, we were raised it, we're we're like five years apart. So mm-hmm. what I'm realizing now might take her two longer. or three years to realize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You getting into your 20s. Talk to us about what was going on in your life. College. I also dropped out of college before I got back into it because I needed to help my mom mm-hmm. around the, the house, right? It was like in my, my early 20s, it was the struggle between not really knowing what I wanted to do. I remember, you know, I was working as a, as a busboy at some restaurant here in the city, and I didn't have a clear direction yet. I moved up to being a waiter, started doing a little better. After that, there came about a union job that culturally we learned to cherish and because it was safe. Mm-hmm. It was a safe bet, right? Um, we had benefits. We had well-paying so I dropped out for that because I felt like, okay, I need to step up. I need to help out around the house. My mom's single, doing it by herself, doing, you know, busting her ass. And I didn't want, you know, I, I didn't want her to be going through that alone. So mm-hmm. I dropped out of college. I started working. Did you ask her how she felt about that? Or did you make the decision without asking her? Um, so she sold it to me. She's the one who sold she it She sold to it to okay. me. She didn't exactly tell me to drop out. She didn't. Tell right. me to stop my studies, but I was like, I I saw how important this job was to her. Yeah, and in order to have this job, 
it needed to be a full-time thing. Mm -hmm. So at the time, I didn't have the mental capacity or the mental drive to stick with with school and hold a full-time job that was very taxing on my body. It's like moving tables around and, you know, I was a, a porter for like this big country club and it was very taxing. So I'm like picking up chairs, picking up tables, putting this, putting that over there, setting up for parties. And uh, I was like, I can't, I, I can't. You know, I just, not that I couldn't, but I just didn't, almost didn't want to. Yeah. So I was doing that, you know, helping out around the house. This country club had a gym. So I moved into the gym department doing maintenance. So I was like cleaning up bathrooms. I was cleaning up and picking up sweaty towels and, you know, cleaning up sweaty floors and, you know, do, just doing that work. And I was inspired by some of my friends there who, some of my friends there who were, the trainers and they were people looking out and training you know everyone that was there and i was inspired by that and i'm like hmm, i have a background in sports i think that i could very well do this you know i was like this is this is what i want i want to be in the wellness industry and i got my fitness certification i started working uh for this private company making house calls and i'd be getting up at like 3 a.m to make it to this client's house at five and it was it was it was, it was fun because i'd loved making a positive impact on someone's day on someone's life i loved not only training someone to be better physically but also better mentally and you know i think working out in the morning just sets you up for a day of success you know i love the way that you said i got these fitness certifications like it was like walking to walmart and picking up like a bag uh, of corn. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't happen like that like you as someone who just also stated i didn't really have the capacity for school yeah yeah getting your fitness certifications isn't you it's, know it was a tough breeze. it was tough yeah, was yeah. that hard for you it wasn't hard because i knew what i wanted bringing this back to boxing boxing is a sport of taking the wins with the losses, taking the good days with the bad, mm -hmm. taking the, the the struggles. The you know when you're when you're in the heart of it, when you're in the thick of it, it's gonna be tough. In the thick of a, a boxing workout, and I knew that holding together a job, full time job, getting my fitness certification, it wasn't gonna be easy. But I knew what I wanted, so I went for it. I darted towards it. I spent however many hours I did trying to get that certification, and I did. You know, it led me to where I am today. Yeah, and I knew that. With growth comes the ability to get out of your comfort zone, something that I also learned through boxing. Yeah. If I wanted to get better, I needed to get through the tough times. I needed to get through the tough, the, the times where I felt like quitting. The stress here is on the concept that having a goal helped you do hard things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when they feel lost or uncertain or frustrated, if you ask them what it is they're working toward or why that specific thing is important to them, often you may find a theme, which is that they can't articulate why it's important. So knowing your why helped you go to where you want to be. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I just, you know, I just really had a desire to get ahead. You know, I wanted to, I had a desire to not be, you know, a statistic of, you know, where I grew up, uh, which was super important to me. That's something that I, I, I think was embedded in me from the time that I, from as long as I can remember. Yeah. So I knew that in having direction, I had somewhere to get. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know where that was going to land me, but I knew that I wanted to get as far away from where I was. Yeah. You know, yeah. and not only that, I wanted to bring everyone with me. I wanted to bring my mom, my sister, my friends. I wanted to bring everyone with me.
taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about one of Hurdle's newest sponsors at Eight Sleep. Now, like over 30% of Americans, I am a super hot sleeper and I have really struggled in the past with not only falling asleep, but staying asleep at night because of temperature. That my friends, is where the 8 Sleep Pod cover comes in. It has completely changed the game for me. Now, not only does the pod help me sleep comfortably no matter the outside temperature, but it also enables me to be in complete control of the temperature inside of my bedroom with its ability to dynamically cool and heat the bed to maintain that optimal sleeping temp from what my body needs. I am also obsessed with the gentle rise feature, which uses vibration at chest level to wake me up without disrupting my circadian rhythm, making mornings feel a little bit more welcoming and peaceful. Now, if that's not a pivot from my usual iPhone alarm, then I don't know what is. Listen, I'm obsessed with this thing, and in my mind, there is no better investment that you can make in the long term than spending smartly on your sleep, which truly impacts every aspect of our day-to-day. Get in on the action. Grab an 8sleep pod cover for yourself. Head on over to 8sleep.com slash hurdle. That's E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E-P.com slash hurdle to save $150 on the pod at checkout. Again, that's 8sleep.com slash hurdle to get $150 off your 8sleep pod today. Also got to give some love to the one, the only, Gooder. Who doesn't love cute sunglasses? Trust me, Gooder has got you covered with their no bounce, no scratch, polarized styles that start at just $25. Talk about a deal. Now, I am huge on their Operation Blackout Mock Gs, which are perfect for both, let's say, running on the weekends, tackling a long run, or picking up the pace of the track, or really just running errands. You know me, I travel a lot, and if I've got to pick just one style of sunglasses to bring with me on the go. I reach for Gooder every single time because it is so multi-purpose. Now, of course, you know the deal. I have an offer for you. Gooder is offering hurdlers free shipping on their purchase by heading on over to gooder.com slash hurdle. Again, that is G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle to get free shipping on your order today. So you're doing the house calls and it's starting to feel very purposeful. What happens as that continues on? I was still a very timid person. I failed to mention that throughout this whole time, I was super timid. I still get timid vibes from you. Yes. (laughs) This whole time, I'm super timid. So like the one-on-one space and only training one person, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And then I stepped into a place called Shadowbox which merged so many of the things that I liked, which was boxing, empowerment, a show, getting to like instruct and command a room, music, halfway to being a DJ, cause like you're picking your playlist and all that. It's like, I loved it, right? So I went there to kind of gather some information to see what I could learn. And I just never wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love this. How do I become a part of it? Was that your first foray into group fitness? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, being, I think being a boxer was what saved me and what got me that position there. Uh, because I, speaking in front of 40 people was so scary. <laughs> it was so scary. Uh, but I knew that in order to get that position, in order to get to where I wanted to be, I needed to get over this hurdle, right? I needed to get over this feeling of being uncomfortable. So I did it. You know, I would talk to myself in the mirror. I would like coach myself in the mirror and like look at what I was doing and just training myself to be a public speaker. And it was tough. Growing up, I was, you know, and even today, I'm like oftentimes very soft spoken and I would speak like under my breath. And, I, you know, I, I would speak very under my breath and it was hard for folks to even know what I was saying. So like getting into that space really allowed me to evolve. I love the visual of you talking to yourself in the mirror. I think that a lot of us in different scenarios need to have that talk in the mirror moment. Maybe it's not always because we're trying to talk in front of a group of 40 people, but sometimes you need to look at yourself and hype yourself up and be mm -hmm. your own biggest hype man so that you can go after whatever it is that you're after. I do that often still. <laughs> like I'll walk past the mirror in my apartment and I'm like, you got this. Like, like, damn, boy, you got a new haircut. <laughs> now the question is, is this uh is this vocalized or is this just like oh, this is vocal? <laughs> this is vocal. Okay, okay. So your neighbors definitely have heard you hyping yourself up before. Yes, on the Peloton bike, I would uh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so you get into a place where you feel as though, and you do start to command a room a bit better what else did you learn during your first foray into group fitness how different everyone is like i had an idea that everyone was different but that experience really showed me like put it in my face how different everyone is how different how how everyone's not capable of the same things and that's mm -hmm. that's a thousand percent okay mm -hmm. But it showed me, you know, it kind of gave me a visual for what that looked like and the different personalities that I would, you know, encounter. Uh, being a waiter also did that for me, but that kind of really put things into perspective. How people are when they get a little uncomfortable, whether they choose to keep going, whether they choose to stop, you know, and I, I became very accepting of all of those things. And I, it taught me how to motivate different people. How to motivate different from how to motivate someone that comes from one background in comparison to another, you know? Yeah. You mentioned at the top of this how important it felt to you to get out of the Bronx. When did you get out? I got out when I got the shadow box. Okay. I was you know, I was a little more financially free to where like I could move out of the Bronx. And I just kept hustling to be able to maintain that. How did that you know? feel for you? It felt it felt good. It felt really good. Did you take the time at the time to really appreciate that win? Yes, I did. I did. It, that, it was a quick, it was very quick lift. <laughs> like I, I, quick win. It was a quick one. It was a quick pat on the back and it was more like a let's keep going I, Kobe has this phrase that he said in an interview it's like they were asking him all right so you're up 3-1 in the playoffs or I think that's how it went and he's like 
they asked him, are you happy about it? And he's like, why should I be happy? The job's not finished. Yeah. I, we haven't gotten to the championship yet. Yeah. And that's something that I often iterate to myself. You also stressed the importance of always growing, always thinking, always along these same sentiments, thinking about what's next. So when you're at Shadowbox, do you have a concept or an idea of where it is that you want to go with this newfound appreciation for that environment and newfound appreciation for the skill set that you're developing? It's an interesting, it's an interesting point. I did, I do have an, I did have a very high level of appreciation for that because it was making me a better person, not just for myself, but mm -hmm. also for my family, for my community. So the skill set that I was developing there, I knew that I would take with me wherever I went. It's a very important one just to be able to build community, to be able to um, genuinely, and I stress the word genuinely, make people feel seen because I, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the, so many of the things that I put forth now is something that I didn't grow up with, you know, like encouraging the, to, the, the ability to be encouraging, the ability to empower people, even when they don't feel at their best. And again, it's not an act that I'm putting forward. It's something that I do very genuinely because yeah. I think about who I was as a kid, who I was growing up. And oftentimes I wish that I had what I am today for that kid, you know? So I do all of these things very in a very genuinely and wholehearted way. You know, this space, this fitness space has always been more than just fitness for me, yeah. right? It's, it's, you know, going back to this word, it's empowerment. It's just allowing people to be themselves and be comfortable where they're at, Yeah, right? Really showing up and it's more than just like, let's get muscles. Let's, you know, it's it's so much more than that. It's like, you know, every time someone someone would be like, oh, you're that fitness instructor. I was, I'd be like, I am, but I'm so much more than that. Like, mm -hmm. I want to be able to show up for people in ways that they need it, you know, in whatever way they need to be shown up for, you know, it's because I, I'm almost, and actually I am oftentimes speaking to myself. I hear that. So it's like when I'm in class and there's a moment where I feel like, shit, I can't do another rep. I'm talking to my, I'm talking not only to you, but also to myself, mm -hmm. right? And this is, I'm being the person that I wish that I had growing up. And I want everyone to be able to develop that skill. Something that I say in class often is when no one's cheering for you, you have to be able to know how to cheer for yourself. I remember when, when Callie was on the show, she said that if you're constantly lifting, only thinking based on aesthetics, then that is not a sustainable way to keep that as an integral part of your life. Like your why needs to be so much bigger mm -hmm. than how you look. It's got to be about how you feel. When mm -hmm. you focus on feeling, that's when you'll really see the benefits of the work. Mm -hmm. And so this sentiment really makes me think about that. So. Talk to me about when Peloton came into the mix. Peloton came into the mix. You know, I was given the opportunity to audition for them in uh, 2018. And I was so devoted to my community, with the community that I had built, that it almost felt, I was almost heartbroken to have parted ways with them. 
when at that time um and everything i feel like everything happens in due time yeah you know and then in 2020 i got another opportunity to you know step into the role that i'm i am in now and i was like this is the next step like i, I love this you know where i was at the community before i was shadow box i was like you know i'm here till the wheels fall off eventually you know sadly the wheels fell off and I felt like I was ready to step into a new role. I mm -hmm. felt like this was my moment to grow. Um, I felt like I, you know, I developed a lot of skill where I was at. And then, you know, this is my moment to step into a bigger spotlight. Peloton came to me and I auditioned for them. I gave it my best. And, you know, every, every, through the audition process and all that, I had this Peloton towel that I would like, rub a couple times i'd just be like i'd set it on my couch and it was very neat and it was just a way of me manifesting like this is where i'm going to next this is what i'm going to accomplish next and it you know i, I was i was given that opportunity and i'm very very happy to be where i'm at now and it's almost like all my worlds came it was just a melting pot of all of my worlds it was being on a on a worldwide stage being able to empower on a global scale all my worlds came together. The, 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 just being in, you know, the fitness space, and it's, it's almost like a sport. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a sport. Um, all, all of my worlds came crashing together, and I, I couldn't be more. I couldn't be more grateful for where I am today. Talk to me about how it felt to be the timid guy that was suddenly on a world stage. <laughs> uh, I was told I was told not long ago by one of my colleagues that I'm like I'm very mysterious. <laughs> And that was something that came to me as it wasn't a surprise. Being on the Peloton stage kind of allows me to shine and be a little bit more vibrant. But I, I, I am also very true to being a little reserved. And, you know, I, I just like to not that I like to be to myself. I just very selective with what I share. Go back and answer the question, though. How did it feel as a timid guy? to step onto the world stage it takes a large swig of water. <laughs> Need to think about the answer to this question. <laughs> you know, aside from being very timid, I'm also, I've learned and I've acquired the skill of being very confident. So when, you know, stepping onto the stage, it, it always takes a little bit of time for me though to understand that I know what I'm doing, that I know what I'm saying in order for things to click. So when that confidence kicks in, I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, and I say this humbly, but still very confident. I'm also like, I deserve this. I, you know, like this is what I've been working for. This is what I deserve. Like I've put in the sweat. I've put in the hard work, the tears to be here, right? So I'm very confident in what I deserve and I'm very confident in stepping onto that spotlight. So going on to you know being on peloton as the shy guy when it comes to knowing that i deserve to be here I'm, i fully step into that power i fully step into that role you know aside for us outside of it i'm like you know still a little reserved but i'm very aware that i belong where i'm at today there's a lot of power in that in taking that agency and it can be difficult even if you're the most confident person in the world to every day show up and say, I deserve this, I'm here with purpose, I've 
caught myself sometimes talking about the show. We're in season 11 right now. And I'm like, I don't, I can't believe that we're here. And then I have a moment where I'm like, stop downplaying mm -hmm. all of this hard work. Like stop downplaying how much has happened to get to this point and own it. And owning it still for me is like a regular challenge, Same. no matter how confident Same. I am. Same. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's like, you know, I almost, I almost feel like I'm contradicting myself because sometimes I'm like, no, that wasn't enough. Right. Right. But I know the level that I can, I know that I can show up at a very high level. Yeah. You know, and again, that just goes back to me putting in the work. That just goes back to me, you know, as a 14, 15 year old in my room doing push ups and talking to myself to do another one. Yeah. Right. So I think all of all of that is a sum of who I am today. It's, you know, pushing myself forward as hard as that, that as hard as that's been, because I also I've also, you know, in the past have had a habit of being like, dude, work harder, you know? So, mm -hmm. so it's like a sum of all of that that has given me the confidence to be able to instill confidence in others. Yeah. How do you counteract that work harder voice? Because I'm sure that a lot of individuals listening to this can really relate to that sentiment. The what you're doing isn't good enough. What you're doing isn't good enough. You can do more. You can do more. And that person can still be despite having that voice in their head, like already working really damn hard. So how do you counteract that? How do you have more grace with yourself? Something that I know you're working on. Well, yeah, that's, that is definitely something that I'm working on and I'm still working on that. You know, like I'm not trying to paint this picture of I'm an extraordinary human being. <laughs> totally. Ever, right. Ever. Cause I feel like we all go through things, you know, we all have our issues. Um, I, I still, I don't want to say struggle with that. I still dance with that. I still dance with being confident and still knowing that I could do more. I think that's just my growth mindset. Mm -hmm. The fact that I want to be better. Yeah. But consciously, I have to make sure that I give myself that grace. You know, I have to take a step back and say, hey, you did the best that you can do. How about next time we just find a way to better prepare ourselves and add what a hint of this mm -hmm. that'll make that class better add this quote or add this movement or you know i think just allowing myself that grace to not downplay how much of a of a success it could have been just like add a little bit of more whatever it was yeah and you know it doesn't mean that i'm bad it doesn't mean that it was terrible it just means that maybe it could be a little better you know what I'm hearing you say is that it's important to celebrate small wins and it's also important to take a step back and like appreciate and observe before jumping to any sort of conclusion. Correct. Yeah. Correct. When someone goes to your Instagram page, they see a Peloton instructor with something like upward of 150,000 followers. He's into boxing. He's active. He's got a great smile. You're welcome. <laughs> when... <laughs> You look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Dark circles. <laughs> Growth. Like, you know, I'm 31 now and I feel like I still have so much, such a long road ahead of me, you know, and I'm proud of 
what I've become. I've, I'm proud of where I'm where I am now. I'm proud of the ground that I you know the ground that I'm on now. And but I always see growth, and it, not in a negative way. Like it's not like it's not like I look at myself and I'm downplaying who I am, or I'm not happy of what I like in what I see in the mirror. I just love being able to keep striving forward, you know, and I'm excited for the future and I'm excited for what I have yet to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I know that this is just the beginning. Yeah. I have to remember that it is okay to be a beginner. It is okay to step on the first square and look at the road ahead with appreciation and with gratitude. And it's, it's important to stop and smell the flowers. And that is what I see in the mirror, the excitement that I have for what what is to come and the things that I haven't experienced. And it's crazy to think about your best day. You haven't experienced your best day yet, you know? Yeah, yeah. you see opportunity. Opportunity, yes. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice. Let's call it when you decided to take a step back from school, work full time, support your mom, really starting to come into your own. You have an opportunity right now to give yourself a piece of advice knowing what you know now in that hurdle moment. What do you tell yourself? You know, I don't really have a word of advice, you know, for my younger self because I'm so appreciative, I'm so grateful for every step, every thought that I've had up till this point because without it, I wouldn't be, you know, who I am today. It could have changed the course of my trajectory. Uh -huh. So I'm just so appreciative of every step and every thought and every action that I've taken till this day because it's made me who I am and it's gotten me to where I am today. So my advice to myself would just be have fun. Keep yeah. going. Have fun. You're doing just you're doing just fine. Keep going. Anything you want to say to all of your loving Peloton fans that are listening to this right now? Thank you so much for <laughs> giving me your time. Yeah. I'm so appreciative of it. It's like it goes such a long way and I'm so appreciative of my for everyone that has tuned in, for everything that I've ever done, for everyone that has showed up to my classes, it means the world to me. From you know, uh, a kid in the Bronx, very shy kid from the Bronx, that has always wanted to do better and be more. Like here we are. Thank you so much. Here we are. All right, Rad. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you if they don't yet already? Give us the details. So you can follow me on Instagram at Rad. Lopes, R-A-D-L-O-P-Z. And you can also catch my classes on Peloton, on the Peloton platform. You can download the app if you have the bike. You can also just, the bike or the tread, you can also just flip over to the strength category and you can find me there. Let's have a good time. Let's have a good time. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 